and I took the medicine and I, you know, I really obeyed my mother at that time. I took the medicine, I drank it. It was really nasty. And, and then I fell unconscious and then, and then I woke up again and the body, my body at that time, it was very fevered. I was feeling very weak, but I was alive. And that was when I, I realized like, you know, there was one more death. It was not just my mother and my father and my husband. Um, the medicine had been so strong that I had aborted my child. I realized that I was pregnant in the dream. Hmm. And, 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 and I lost that baby. And that was like the last thing that I had of my husband, of my family, of my people. So I... I was so sick and I realized that I had, um, you know, the medicine had made me abort and then I was delirious and then I saw my mother and she was peaceful and then I saw she had a swaddle and so there was an infant in her arms and that was when she, um, her last message to me was uh, live. She told me, Shudawi, live. And that's when I, I realized that was my name. In the Shudawi. dream, yeah, Shudawi. Like it's uh, so that 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 was like the first time I ever heard that name in the entire dream because before that there was no mention of who I was, and and so um, she vanished. The baby vanished with her. She was like holding the baby, and they weren't sad anymore. She was actually smiling, and then she disappeared, like slowly vanished. And, and then that was in the dream. I felt like I am beginning to feel like, okay, this is what I have to do. So as weak as I was, I made more medicine. And then um, I started giving it to everybody. And I, I told those who were pregnant that you're going to lose your baby if you take this medicine. But if you don't take this medicine, you might die. Um, mm. So it was it was like, you know, I gave them a choice whether they take the medicine and live, but their baby will die or they will die with the baby. And it was a choice. It was really difficult. And it's not a decision even. I just had to, you know, for some reason I had to tell them. And I knew that I did it right. And, um, well, there was a lot of funeral pyres there because we burnt our dead we don't um we don't bury them especially after a fever because the people understood that like you know fever like this you have to burn or else or else other people will get sick as well so that was that was how it kind of like got to that point there was a lot of people who were confused and we were in the middle of all of that I had taken so much medicine into my body and then um, there were uh, suddenly like a bunch of those foreigners again that they they were coming um, to the village and there were people that were telling me, hey, that um, that there are those guys again, they're coming back. And I was still sick. I still had a fever in me and... And I still had the medicine in me as well. I don't know what was going on, but I knew for a fact that um, that if I didn't do something, they're going to attack again. So they saw all these fires. They were wondering what was going on. And then they realized that the village was, was suffering from something and people were dying. But they were still coming closer anyway on their boats into that river uh, towards the banks. So uh, what uh, my dream self did was um, um, in the middle of all of that and people were running away or trying to run away, I went into the river. I was like bloody from my own troubles and and everything like that. I, um, I slit my wrists that I use a blade and I slit my wrists and I was bleeding and then I went into the water and the blood and the water connected and uh, the blood dropped all over the water and it started boiling. <laughs> the water mm. was boiling. 
uh, it looked like it was boiling. It was not hot or anything. The water was really cold when I stepped in and, and it was just really cold. But then in contact with the blood, um, the water reacted. So, um, so it scared those people. They thought that it was something weird or, or witchcraft or something. And they were very, um, they were very scared. They were confused. And then they started rowing away. They were yelling something and they were making symbols and, and they were actually throwing things at me. And, but nothing hit because they were too far. And then, and then they started rowing away and then I fainted. Wow. It was, yeah. And, um, so I completely fainted, like lost consciousness. It was completely black. And then, I just felt like my body was aching and then I woke up again and it was still in the dream. I was like, gosh, don't I wake up from this? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was so confused because because normally if something turns black in the dream, it means you wake up in your real life. At least for me, that was that. Like, you know, I've never had a dream like this before, so I was really like confused myself and then I um, I woke up but it was still in the dream and I was feeling very tired and I was in this house and there were gentle hands they were washing my face and and I was getting um, help at least and then uh, sorry I'm crying a bit um, oh. okay it's just the memory of it. It's just so life of like, it's just so full that I just suddenly felt overwhelmed. So like tearing a little bit and sniffling. I can imagine. But anyway, so I woke up and I felt hungry in the dream. And then I asked for food, but I couldn't talk so well because my throat was hurting. And then there was this girl and, and a woman, her mother, I think, and he said that you're really lucky you're alive. And she brought me some food. It was some kind of soup. It had rice in it or something. It was not, not just completely watery soup. It was something more solid, like, um, like sort of like a watery porridge. Mm -hmm. And she told me I was lucky to be alive. And, and then I told her to go deeper into the forest. I was looking at the daughter. The daughter was just holding my hand. And she said, you saved us from the demons. And I I just didn't recognize why she called them demons because I saw them as people. Hmm. But at least I think like to them, of course, somebody who tries to kill you is a demon. So, so at least now I understand it that way. But in the dream, it was just like, you know, well, why would you call them that? They're just men. And And the girl... Um, she was just really fangirling over over me for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even feel like I was a hero or anything, but she was just like holding me so tight and she was like so excited. And and she she uh, when I said that they had to go deeper into the jungle or into the forest, uh, she kind of like insisted that I should go with them. And I said I couldn't. I just knew that I couldn't. So um, So I told them. And then, and then um, she was saying something that was equivalent to calling me a queen. And I told her, I told her that, no, I'm not. And then, and then she said, but you have to be. And I said, no, I don't have to be. And then I looked at the girl and I took off a necklace that was on my neck, something that was from my mother. And then I put it on the girl and then I said, she is Queen Shudawi now. You take her with you. And I told her that to take them, all of the ones who are alive, because this village is already dead. And then the woman just looked at me and then she, she just asked, what about you? And then I just told her, like, I'll do as my mother said, I have to do. I will live. But then I said, after I sleep. That is so deep. That and, is so deep. I was just, I was just so, I don't know, in the dream, I was really, really tired. I was completely exhausted because I gave these people everything, absolutely everything. Until I even give this little girl, this young teenage girl about to become a woman, I gave her my name and then I made her the queen. And then I told her that, uh, I told her mother that like now she's the queen. So they had to take care of each other. And 
basically just shoo them away. And then after that, they, you know, she respected that and she, she was okay with that. And I said, I will be fine after I sleep. And then I actually like just turn and go back to sleep. So I slept. And then um, the next time I woke up, it was very, very cold. And I didn't feel like waking up at all. Like, ugh, like I just turned around and go back to sleep again. It was too cold to wake up. I felt like everything was frozen and I felt like I had given everything. So I didn't have anything anymore. So I just went to sleep again. And then I woke up again. And this time, like when I woke up, there was no house around me anymore. Uh, there was just like this wilderness and it was it was like the night sky was just above me. Mm. Oh, I had no idea where I was, but it felt like I was still in the same place. And then um, there was a lot of noise, like happy noises, like uh, people laughing. And then I, uh, I decided, okay, this is too noisy. I have to get up. So I got up and then um, I got up and then I looked around. I tried to find where the noise was. And then I saw this, um, there was a group of people and they were, they were celebrating something. And there was this woman and she had dark hair. And then um, she had dark hair and almost skin that I could recognize. I was like, the skin is something that I could almost recognize. So I felt like she was one of my people. And then uh, she was just standing a little bit away from other people. So I didn't see who they were. And then suddenly there was like this pale guy and he was behind her. And then he came towards her. I stood beside her. He was touching her. He was holding her. And I felt like, hey, I have to warn her that she's in danger. And this was coming from me who had slept from an episode of a life wherein I was attacked by people that looked like him. Mm-hmm. And then and then suddenly I was awake and there was this young woman who looks almost like me, skin color and hair. And then and then there's this, this pale guy beside her and he was just holding her and they were they were um looking like they were in love. So I realized like uh something happened here and and these people are not gods they are not demons they were just people and that was when like i realized that something was going on and i didn't know what it was i was just so like uh, confused i suppose because of the long sleep i don't know how long i slept hmm. but um then i started looking around me like you know going back to basics like have to sense everything and i was doing what i would i would normally do when i wake up from a like into a lucid dream and this was me it was not it was not the girl in the dream anymore i was looking around and i was looking at the earth and i was breathing and i i looked up and i saw the full moon and then um and then the earth was warm again. It was not cold anymore. Hmm. And and then I looked to where I was lying down. And before it was a floor. But now when I looked back, it was a stone slab, something. It looks like um it looks like a time worn or water worn piece of rock that was big enough to lay on, like a table or a bed or something. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't it wasn't a normal like piece of earth that i was on or mat or something anything that resembled my house before was gone and and i felt peaceful it was like i woke up i felt really really peaceful and then and then there was um there was um a feeling that there was something else going on and then suddenly something that was completely not in the dream before and definitely would not be in a normal dream is that I started seeing wolves. There were, there were wolves. They were playing, they were frolicking, they were near the waters. And then there was a wolf, wolf howling sound. And, and I felt really awake and I went into the river. Um, It was cold, but it wasn't freezing like before. And I didn't feel so heavy anymore. I felt innocent again. And I was no longer who I was anymore. And I felt different. Like, you know, 
like when you wake up and you feel free like really really free that you don't owe anybody anything you don't have to explain anything or anything like that at all and then i was able to breathe again and something that was important in the dream was that how i really was so attracted to color of everything during the night and the moon was shining so bright the silver light was all over the place that even the water was sparkly mm. and and there was like the wolf howl again and the sound of those people they kind of like got left far behind because i was swimming in the river and then i looked up at the sky i looked up at the moon i didn't feel really sad at all but i yelled at the top of my lung that shudawi lives like i really yelled it out like i was so happy and i was calling out it was like a message to my mother that i'm alive and i'm well and i'm okay and i will survive and i woke up i woke up from that dream like really woke up into into my real my real bed and i was so happy that the sun was up <laughs> and i was like i was i was my heart was pounding so much um but i woke up with such a start i jumped out of bed almost like you know i really sat up and like i was awake immediately and i could not forget the dream i just grabbed my diary and started writing like crazy wow ariel that i think you may be the first and if not the first definitely the most complete full-fledged dream master that i've ever spoken to <laughs> That is a uh, fascinating, <laughs> awe-inspiring dream, in my opinion. Well, it has. Um, well, retelling it, telling it to you now, it's 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 just like you know we did speak about it before, but uh, my my arms are in goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, I I just uh, wiped my eye. I, I mean, I I don't know who's chopping onions in here, but there's I, there was a little bit of a tear forming in my oh. eye and uh i'll just blame it on ninjas chopping onions in my room somewhere i don't know but <laughs> i have so many thoughts on this and i have so many questions for you because mm. i i genuinely believe that this shodawi is someone who lived this some <laughs> this is something that has or will happen somewhere if not this place in some other place I um I have told this dream at least to two people um, before you and it was to my husband <laughs> and the other one was to my best friend. Well, I feel I feel honored to be among the the people that have had the privilege of hearing this adventure. This is a truly epic journey that you described an entire lifetime in a dream. Mm. It was just I don't know. I think in the end there um the part where in where in I was not willing to wake up. I think it felt more like Shudawi gave up because of the grief because of all her losses. But it felt so real that when I woke up and I wrote about it, it was just so strong and I couldn't forget it, especially especially what she went through emotionally and It was just an entire journey of somebody's life just downloaded into me. In a way, I'm I'm glad that you that you were not able to escape the dream at the time that you first started trying because it seems like she was able to complete her metamorphosis, her her journey through you mm -hmm. going through that and being with her. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that's another person that somehow you've connected to across space and or time or if that was you in another time or in another place there's, mm. there's so many questions can i do you mind if i ask you a few questions about this oh you can ask anything absolutely okay so what i what i'm thinking is this could very well i mean i can't say i can explain the boiling blood water part mm. but everything else in this entire story it seems like a totally logical historical event i mean the i i would be inclined to ask more about what did the the invaders look like these these uh what appeared to be white men coming in and take and ransacking a village of brown people 
that would, you know, that's something that has happened in our world probably thousands of times. And, uh, you know, what I would, I would say, like, I wish I could just sit with you and for a whole day, go to Finland and sit with you and write and draw representations of what these soldiers looked like, what these people looked like, what kind of weapons they had and, and everything, what their yeah, boats looked I like. I actually was so, in I was so intrigued by that. Um, it was a river, so they were going in with rowboats. But I suspect that it was like, you know, that they came from the mouth of the river. So they must have something bigger out there because they came in like two or three long uh, boats wherein there was like about a dozen men in each. Right. And that, that, that makes perfect sense because, I mean, even the where your village was situated, the whole setup of your of your village being nearby a, a river and you know which is an essential water source for all those people the fact that the village was so vibrant and alive and lived in and people were kind of doing their own thing regardless of whether you were aware or paying attention or not then the fact that these you know these people invaded and the tactics they used and coming in at night and going after the women and it's it's so it's it really rings true of something. Oh, also the fact that sometime later after that initial invasion, people started falling ill of a, a mysterious illness that they'd never seen before. That's something that happens after a foreign group of people invades. Yeah, you it, know. it it feels like it was something historical that really happened, but was not recorded or something. Right, and maybe it is recorded. I mean, if you. If you were to really try to dial in the ways that these people, uh, the the way that they dressed, even the way that your people dressed, and the architecture, the way they built their their um, houses, and the way that their culture operated, there would probably be a way of triangulating who you were and who the who your people were, and maybe even who were the attackers so many fascinating ideas that could come from this. Um, the feel of it is is that the people look Polynesian. That is what I know, at least, because I I looked it up as much as I could, whatever I can about like you know, such events like that. Hmm. Um, I, well, I tried to find out. And uh, the costumes, well, not costumes, the outfits those men were wearing, they looked like um, some late period um, Spanish um, conquerors or colonized. Uh, it's during the time when the colonization happened. And um, I wouldn't, I don't know how late it was in time, but there was a time where during colonization where in the, the Spaniards or the Portuguese were really, really rampant. That they they tried to conquer or they tried to colonize as many places as possible, and um, like you said, the mouth of the river, the river itself was really important because it was like a gateway into the land, and and the village where I was was like really near there. That it was it was sort of like out of the way enough that you're not connected to the sea, but the water was fresh water anyway, and then if you you were to ride a boat, you can go in from the sea to the to the river and then down the river as a moor and all that. The village was actually really safe. There was no um it was out of the way enough because it was private and 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 you don't see the mouth of the river at all the mouth of the river at all. And um crossing the river you would get up to a mountain. You would you would have to climb somewhat so it's a little bit difficult terrain on the other side of the river um from what i can remember it's like there was a lot of tropical plants like coconuts like i said and there were like these palms that people used to um to make roofs with it's not coconut um leaves though it was something shorter like a palm tree that was shorter so i tried to go that route and <laughs> I tried to go that route and try to find what kind of plants they were. Um, that no luck on that one, but at least I knew that coconuts were growing in the place, uh, uh, and then some kind of palm. 
like that that they used for used for roofing they used for matting like making mats and 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 they used a lot of mats um that they they used mats for everything like those leaf mats they used it to to put on the ground so that they can put their their um their grains on top of it to sun it so that the grains would dry enough so they could store it away so like i remember small details like that but i don't remember enough that i could just pinpoint it on the map and say like there you know but with the costumes of those people it was exactly that that they were around the time of the spaniards or the portuguese colonizing the places and and they probably um this place was um i knew for a fact like in the dream that if you go inwards towards the mountains then there was more land there but it's just more difficult because you cannot get to water like you said and 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 it was easier to be near water because like water is the source of life and and those people they don't usually eat meat they actually eat fish yeah so the the river and they probably also had boats that they can take out to the other bodies of water to get you know to to feed themselves mm-hmm. but wow what a what a fascinating fascinating story it felt so real and emotional and authentic it it really was a a wondrous experience to listen to you tell that story. I could tell that you, you really felt it and you you experienced all that. It it became something that um, when I have like the hardest parts or times in my life, um, I would remember the dream and it would give me power. Mm-hmm. It would give me strength. It would, it would just pull me out of whatever funk I was in and tell me to live. Well, I think I think this dream. There's a reason why it happened to you. You you seem to be a be a very wise woman, and you actually taught me something today. Something that I will take with me going forward, considering these these dreams and uh, these ideas surrounding dreams. You said basically that you don't have nightmares because you're never afraid. I'm never afraid in my dreams, though. No. It made me. It made me realize. I mean, what is a nightmare but just a dream of which you are afraid? So we we kind of, we decide if it's a nightmare or not. Exactly. That's something that I never really thought about until I heard you say that. And that is, that is really a, a profound thought in my mind because I've, I've had many dreams and many nightmares where I've, I've called them nightmares, but a true dream master should never fear their dreams and that that's what i aspire to be and that's what it it seems to me that you are so i've i've learned from the best tonight oh that, well that not really fascinating <laughs> well you're you're um, among the best that i've ever encountered and i i i thought i was the dream master but i i must uh take my crown off to you because oh. this this experience that you had is was absolutely fascinating it was a it was a a wonderful ride and experience to sit and listen and ask you questions thank you so much ariel for taking your time i know it's what four fifteen in the morning maybe over there yeah, in i'm Finland. not sleepy yet though <laughs> that's awesome you're see you're also a master of staying awake and <laughs> that's that's insane <laughs> well i I have a really weird sleeping pattern. Like I said, like I, I, I am more awake during the night times anyway because it's more peaceful for me and I am able to write or do my artwork and 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 just, you know, maybe just write in my diary or just, you know, that there's such a, a strong connection with the night and, and um, I would sit and write and be with my thoughts listen to music or some narration while i'm doing artwork and it's basically how i found you it was that um it was nighttime and and i was needing to do something and and i had to keep my mind away from darker thoughts and stuff like that and and like i would um look through youtube and that that was how i found you and like i said one of those those really 
amazing part is that I heard you tell about the Dreamwalker, um, your story about this boy who um, there was something about blue lights and red lights in the sky. Ah, yes. That this dream. Is, that's my original uh, story that I've, I'm actually still working on it. It's called The Dreamer. And uh Yeah, yeah. That was one of the one of the earlier projects that I started working on when I began YouTube. I'm so glad you enjoy that. I'm I'm always happy to hear when people like that. It's it's still up on the on YouTube. I have it up as a kind of a like a I think three hour audiobook type of uh thing. But yeah, that's you should definitely keep it. Oh yeah, I'm actually revamping it and I'm going to kind of produce it in a different way using the upgraded equipment and skills that I've learned since that time. That was like three years ago before I really mm -hmm. got into this stuff. And uh, But yeah, I'm so glad that, that, that you were able to enjoy that and, you know, kind of use it to, to occupy your time out there in Finland in the middle of the night. That's really awesome to hear. I never thought I'd I never thought I'd hear people enjoying my work all over the world like that. That's really humbling. Well, it it's like a small world when you're thinking about like how big the internet really is. It it's connecting in more ways than more ways than one. And um like I said, that you you pulled me out of a lot of dark places from just listening because um like there were many times that because of my health I had to be in the hospital or I had to I had to be in treatments and they were long uh, five hour treatments I had it for six, six months and and it was just like you know going to the hospital having something to do and what I had to do the choices were very little because there was not a lot of room to do things so I would take my artwork with me or my, my diary with me, or my journal. And then I would have either my phone or, or my tablet. And then um, I'd have headphones. And then I would put it on YouTube, uh, from YouTube. And then I would listen and I would sit there for that many hours for the treatments and just, you know, zen. Wow. I'm, I'm, very, so I'm very touched uh, to, to hear that. Thank you for letting me know, Ariel. So I actually have your 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 episodes or your stories on um, on a playlist, and uh, it's titled um, it's actually titled Healing Playlist. Wow, that's that's awesome. Wow. Well, bef before we got to get out of here, before I just start breaking down and crying over here on this podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you so much, Ariel. I I so appreciate your time, your fantastic story your lessons, your wisdom, and um, I wish you the best with your health and everything that you're going through. I'm, I know um, it's not something we want to get into too much, but I, I really wish you the best. I hope things look Thank up you. as much as, as possible. And I hope people are inspired by the, the lessons and the, the life that they've heard about in this story tonight, because I certainly am. Well, I'm really glad it actually, like, you know, at least with telling the story, it might help somebody just get out of a dark place or or if, like, they were to feel a little bit hopeless, then they could listen to that and find some strength in it as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, my friends, that has been the episode. I hope you all have a great night and uh, enjoy the rest of your week, your weekend, whatever else is going on in your life, remember to be the best people you can possibly manage to be. And uh, until next time, my friends. And there you have it, friends. Yet another fascinating look beyond the veil. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope I've convinced you to take another step or two down the rabbit hole. Make sure you subscribe to the DreamerCast so you never miss out on our next unique journey into the realm of mystery. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to drop me a 5-star rating on iTunes. It really helps me out and I would very much appreciate it. I'd love it if you shared the show with your friends and family, anyone with a taste for the truly fascinating questions that we explore here. 
If you have a paranormal story of your own that you would like to share with me, head over to my website, MrXDreams.com, where you'll find a story submission page along with links to my merchandise, YouTube channel, and other ways to support the show. Until next time, my friends, I'm Mr. X Dreams, and I hope to see you again soon on the DreamerCast. Hello, my friend. I am Mr. X Dreams, your guide in this place that lives in the twilight between the waking world and the dream world. You're now listening to the DreamerCast. Here we explore the stories and ideas that, I believe, connect all human beings across both space and time. Monsters, magic, gods and ghosts, the multiverse, there is more to this existence than meets the eye. But I tell you the truth, friend. Stay with me, and you and I will together witness the birth of new worlds. Welcome to my realm. Welcome to the DreamerCast. Hey there, my dreamers. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to drop me a nice five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps me out, and I would appreciate it very much. And by the way, if you have a paranormal story of your own that you'd like to share here on the DreamerCast, head over to my website, MrXDreams.com. That's M-R-X-D-R-E-A-M-S dot com, where you'll find a story submission page along with links to my merchandise, YouTube channel, and other ways to support the show. If this is your first time here, welcome, my friend. I'm glad to have you. If not, welcome back, my dreamer. I want you to open your mind, listen and consider these stories and their implications. Understand that the machinations of this world may be stranger than you once believed. Now, let's get into some stories and discussion here on the DreamerCast. Alright, my dreamers, thank you all for uh, coming by the DreamerCast tonight. I have a special guest for you all, someone who's been a dreamer for quite a while. I've been uh, seeing her around on the uh, live streams on over on YouTube and she recently sent me a very fascinating story. A lot of a lot of people don't really realize that one of my biggest fascinations in life are is the world of dreams. And this young woman has had a very moving and powerful dream experience that I believe might well be some sort of indication of a past life or a parallel life experience. And and that's just one of the several elements that um, my friend is going to speak with us about tonight. Uh, please welcome to the DreamerCast, Ariel. Uh, hi, um, I found you like a couple of years ago when I was... I was looking through YouTube. I was listening to narrator stories because they are like, you know, something that I find more interesting than the normal like stories and gossip and everything like that. So I, I kind of like went to creepypastas and cryptids and stuff. And then I found you and I heard, I heard your story about the dreamwalker and that was it. Like, you know, I was hooked and I, I, I became a subscriber and then from then on like whenever you upload something new I came to listen um it wasn't just about the dreams and it was just pretty much everything that was on your channel well that's that's great news I'm glad I'm glad to hear you're enjoying my work Ariel and thank you so much for reaching out to me uh, you sent me an email 
detailing this story, and it was such an interesting dream experience that I, I felt I had to offer you at least the opportunity to tell it for yourself rather than have me uh, read it out uh, in the form of a letter. And uh, thankfully, you were kind enough to give your some of your time because you're all the way, you're about seven hours ahead of me. I'm in Florida. You're in Finland. Like, um, yeah, I am in Finland. It's actually really late at the moment or really early, depending on who's who's awake. Yeah, it's like three in the morning, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. I'm not sure. Let me look. Uh, yeah, it's after three. It's three fifteen. That is, that's crazy. Thank you so much for uh, devoting some time so early. That that hour is dead to me. I am pretty much never awake, and if I am, there's something wrong. <laughs> something very wrong is happening if I'm awake at three fifteen in the morning. Oh uh, well, I'm a night owl. I work during the nights, like I do my artwork and and stuff. So I listen um, during around this time. So it's actually like the best time for me. Like I'm awake around this time and then I stay awake until until like six or seven in the morning because I have things to do. And then after that, I take a nap. So it's just fine. Well, sounds like sounds like we have a good cross section going here. So let's talk about this uh, this dream. Tell me the story. Okay. Uh, well, it was... Um, it was summer in the dream. It was like hot and it was breezy at the same time. I, um, the dream started that I kind of like woke up into the middle of this forest or at least someplace green with lots and lots of trees. And there was also a lot of people, um, like sort of like a village kind of place. And when I talk about village, I mean like these people are wearing like, not modern clothes at all. They were wearing really native things like um, the fabric was was not leather. It's not it's not somewhere uh, somewhere north or anything. Because I I was not born in a northern continent. I was actually born in Asia, and uh, so the the fabric there was also the same, like that it was cotton or some kind of plant based and very earthy colors. Um, people had dark hair and they had uh, they had medium to dark skin, but not black. So it got to really really tan because of the sun, but but they were not they were not dark as in like African or anything either. And uh, the the atmosphere there with the people are that they are really happy and very very connected. Like uh, you know the. Okay, so children, for example, like we have things about children these days that like, you know, they stay inside so much and everything like that. And in the dream, the difference was that the children were playing together and the adults, it doesn't matter whose parents they were, they would just like have at least one or two adults watching the kids if they were smaller or if like the kids were teenagers and they would watch the smaller ones. But it was so connected, very, very intimate people that they they take care of each other's children. So children are always safe. I mean, that's that. We had a little bit of technical difficulties there, but you were talking about you're describing a very lived-in world, which is something that mm -hmm. is not uh, very common to hear in the description of a dream. Typically, it's it, everything is kind of surface level. But I think the deeper you are and the deeper you're connected to the dream, the more of those details you can perceive. You were talking mm -hmm. about the people's, the fabric and the, the ways that they watched after each other's children and, and the culture of that place. Mm -hmm. It was exactly that. It was really like from what I could sense of the whole thing was that the people were very intimate and uh, okay in real life people would not do that around me that they would not just turn around smile and then say like hey come over here we have this to show you you know mm -hmm. or or how was your day or anything like that they won't do that because we don't live in villages anymore and and people don't do that anymore so so um, in the dream, it was exactly like that, that like, you know, you walk out, well, me in this case, I walk out and then they would turn and they would smile and they, they treat me like, you know, I was welcomed. 
So I immediately felt like the me that I am felt that uh, like this is really strange. Like I knew it was a dream immediately. Hmm. And and I felt like, oh no, what am I going to do here? And I was like looking around really strangely. And then and then somebody asked me, Are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, like, yes, I am. And then and then I kind of like just fell into the dream. Like, okay, I uh, mentally I realized like it was a dream. Um, so I was awake, kind of. And um and then, uh, well, exactly that. I noticed them more. I noticed that the people are different. I noticed that they were, they were very mild and they they were very friendly. And the culture was so different because the women are doing like you know things that women do, like the the cooking and the the, the crafting. Um, you don't see them cleaning though. I didn't see them cleaning. Hmm. Um, they. Uh, they lived in like open places. I I saw the houses. They were like huts, uh, made from from materials that were found on the land. So it was just a local wood, local plants, um, leaves a lot. So this was somewhere tropical, at least from the way I understood it. It was really tropical. Like you could see palm trees, coconuts, and sugar cane. I grew up on a farm, so I know what sugarcane looks like. And oh yeah, I have a few of those in my backyard. I'm 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 half Jamaican too, so I'm I'm well acquainted with sugarcane. Yeah, and it's just really nice, you know. Like it, you see, you see all these green things. It's like so nice, and and not far away was a river or a stream or something, and that that one was like really lively. That people were in it, and they were fishing, they were washing, and then. Um, I don't know. I was I was young in the dream. I I was delighted by a lot of things, and the children were really nice. That they they you know they just come over and they grab my hands and my fingers, and and mm. they would try and lead me to play with them, and and I would see see them doing all sorts of things like contests and and showing off. Of course, kids always show off, and. <laughs> And, and it was just one of those things that really, really hold me. And then suddenly my visions were like blurred and like the wind had gotten into my face. And then I started tearing up for some reason. So I closed my eyes and, and then I opened my eyes again and I felt older. Like I wasn't a young girl anymore, not a teenager anymore. Um, like, you know, there were... It was just a sudden change in in the feeling, like me, or or in this in this part, it was a dream, but I did see myself as one of them, and I was a girl, and then and then my vision blurred, and then I kind of like when I opened my eyes again, I grew up, and I was some years older, and um, I was already like I was suntanned at the time I think because I, I, I was darker than my normal self and I was really happy like you know the happy kind of feeling like you know you you wake up and you feel like a million dollars or you you wake up and you feel like you're going to burst into butterflies because you're so happy and and that was what I was feeling and I realized that in the dream obviously my dream self was in love with someone because this is the kind of feeling that I would uh, I, I recognize as falling or being in love. Right. So I I uh, I woke up in the dream, or I just opened my eyes in the dream, and I was suddenly in love with someone. And then there was this young boy in the dream, and uh, and it seems to be that he had become my husband in the dream as well. And he had like this small animal on his shoulders and people were congratulating him for a good hunt or something like that. And then and then he comes over and then he, he greets me and then he basically presented the, the deer to my father in the dream. Hmm. And then uh and then I closed my eyes again and it was it was like suddenly different the mood was completely different again and 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 the place looked haunted it looks like it was cold i felt cold and then i opened my eyes and it was raining a lot it was stormy it was a monsoon i recognized it as that because because monsoon is um 
uh, well, it's really cold during the monsoon rains and it's like rainy all the time. It's dreary. It's very depressing. And, and um, I felt it. I felt it. I smelt it. And, and then I was suddenly very sad because the whole village was sad. I don't know why. And then I looked around and then I realized that my entire family was sad in the dream. And then, um, and then I realized that, like, somebody died. But I didn't know who at the time. And then I looked around again, and it was, it was like, you know, it, like I was spinning, but it wasn't exactly that I was spinning. I was, in the dream, the girl that I was, was looking for, for the reason why people were crying. And then I saw... Um, I saw my father and he had a shroud on him and he had died and um, I smelled the death, you know, like it was just a very strange smell. It's like this very earthy smell that is not natural. And, and I smelled it and then I knew that my father had died and that the people were mourning him and there was just this heartbroken um, feeling in me that, that I couldn't shake and um, I don't know, it was just so weird that it was so sad. And then at the same time, um, at the same time, I realized also like what, what my father was because my mother in the dream, um, she took on the powers of the leader of the village. So uh, like from that one, I figured that he was he was the clan chief or something, and um, and my mother did not cry. She was sad, but she did not cry, not a tear at all. And um, and she was just, I don't know, it was just really creepy and the feeling. And um, I I remember the last conversation that my father had with me in the dream, and he. He was sick, but then he said he was going to be fine. And then after that, he died. <laughs> so it was just, it was just, you know, that I went through the grief. And then, um, I don't know, it was, it was just one of those things that it was just so sad. I couldn't get over it. But wow. I think it was, it happened, it happened because, um, um, like how I remembered it is that it happened because there was something going on and and there was like a patch of it wherein there was there was some kind of trauma that happened, but I could just at the time of the grief I didn't exactly really remember when. It's it was just so human, you know, the feeling like when grief happens and then you forget what happened before that. Yeah, well it's like a paradigm shift in your life, you know, there's it's one stage you know, for those people who lose a loved one, it was your life mm -hmm. when that loved one was there, and then there's your life when they're gone. It's a different. It's like a different era. It was, and 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 well, it's just from the memory of that one, um, there was a lot of chaos that happened a little bit before that, and it was that there was a separation between the mother and the father in the dream. There was also a change in, in what was going on with the village because the men had to go away for some reason as well. And me as the daughter, like right there in the dream, I did not know what was going on. I just knew that like one moment, like it was a family and it was it was really um, close-knit and everything. And then suddenly the men had to go somewhere. Yeah, you, you, mentioned, in your, you mentioned in your letter that there was mm -hmm. some sort of... Uh, pale men that came mm -hmm. and they were somehow the the cause of the men in the village having to leave mm -hmm. and it was that but it was only like um i woke up in the dream and, and like you know there were like stages wherein i fell asleep and then i woke up and it was still the same dream but um no um how to explain it it's like I was in the dream and then I fell asleep in the dream mm -hmm. and then I wake up and then it was a different, it, it was a different part. 
of life. Yeah, that's a that's a whole other level of dreaming that most people typically don't experience. So it is a little bit hard to wrap one's head around it. You know, it's it's, it's a lot you're, more you're literally to living another you. life in that type of dream. It, yeah, it was. And and the thing was is that that even though I realized it was a dream, I wasn't able to wake myself up because I've had um, I've had lucid dreams before and I was always able to wake myself up because I would I would have like a I wear this ring on my on my thumb and in my sleep I always know where the ring is and and when I have lucid dream the ring is sort of like an anchor wherein if I start holding the ring I would wake up if I held it in my dream and and I would wake up because it's something real. It's something that I know that is connected to my real body, and and I would be able to I would be able to hold it, and then I would be able to just get myself out of the dream. And in this case, I mean, I've had this ring since like forever. I I if I lose one, I would buy another to just replace it. It's always with me. But in this dream, it was so different. I had the ring, yes, and I was holding the ring. But I wasn't able to wake up, and wow. and each time I went to sleep in the dream, I, you know, because it started out so happy, and then progressively it started becoming more claustrophobic. It became more, um, the dreams became sadder, and then it became just straight out. I, I wouldn't call it nightmare because I'm not afraid of bad dreams. I would actually face all my bad dreams and none of them would be nightmares no matter what I was facing. I'm not afraid. And um, so, but in this one, it just felt like, you know, no matter how much I was twisting the ring, I wasn't able to wake up. And that, that was me mentally twisting the ring in the dream wherein I'm in the body of somebody else. So anyway, um, I'm back to what was happening is that uh, in the dream, the girl... Um, she went through a lot, and there there was these people that were foreign. Okay, so um, they came in, and then they started trying to capture people. They tried to, they did quite a lot of nasty things. Um, well, yeah, like really, really nasty things. Like they tried to right. capture people. They tried to, they tried to capture the women actually. And and the men were fighting back, and then a lot of them died because the these um, pale skinned people they they had weapons that we didn't have. Like we had uh, at best something that looks like machete, mm-hmm. and a really really uh, you know really simple one that you don't use for weapons. You actually use it as tools in the farm, right? And and you use it to cut down trees, and you use it to make food, but you don't use it against people. And what did were, the enemies have? Oh, they had um, spears. They had, uh, I don't think they had guns, but they had things like swords and and spears, at least. Mm. I didn't see any arrows, though. Can you describe so what the uh, what the pale men looked like? They had armor, at least. I saw armor, metal ones, not 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 the leather ones, oh, because man. they were. Um, they had armor and they had clothes that looked really weird. They had shoes, which was really weird. Uh, I mean, weird from the standpoint of like who I was in the dream. It looked really foreign. It looked very weird. They were all dressed up in ways that like not even the women would dress up like those. They don't have those kind of colors and stuff like that. But they were metal chested. Like, you know, there was metal around their chest and... Um, so I would call that armor. <laughs> hmm. And when you say when you say pale, were they like pale as in Caucasian or paler than than you know? Were they pale like a a redheaded Caucasian person tends to sometimes be pale, where it just looks um, like nearly pale white skin in, or mm, pale as in tan, but not as dark as we were. Okay, so just pale in comparison to. The people that you were among in the dream. Well, I think they were ca- Caucasian. You would call them white people because because um, just as skin color, they looked white. Mm-hmm. But they had suntan on them, so they were pale. But they were not dark like, you know, the dark baked kind of suntan that we had in mm-hmm. the dream. So didn't appear to have any kind of 
you know, unusual. They they look like normal people, basically. They didn't have any supernatural status or element about them. No, 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 no supernatural element about them. They used they used weapons and they used um they used force and they were foreign, just basically foreign. Um, but I didn't understand a word they were saying, and it was just so weird because. Technically, I would recognize the language. I would be able to to say what language it was because I actually speak several languages, and uh, and these people they were just talking, and I was just stuck in that body that I couldn't recognize their language at all as language. I just heard noise, hmm. and and the dream was more um, like I was so angry at the time because they were really trying so hard to take the women and the children, well, females, and and I didn't understand what it was all about. And, um, well, just like in the dream, it was just like, you know, there was no men there. And for some reason, I think the men knew that something was going to happen and they, they kind of executed a plan. And I was not privy into what the plan was. Like one time it was just that at one moment there was a village full of life and then suddenly the men were gone and it was just the women and the children and the old women and the old people. Hmm. And um, the sense of it is that there was an urgency to it that you know something was happening. So everybody had hunkered down. They they did less. They don't play outside. Um, they hide often and they were more hushed and more just you know really a lot less lively than before and um these strangers they they came and they started injuring people and and all that and then um like in the middle of all that and suddenly the men just showed up and they started killing as many as possible there was like a huge fight as in like a melee you know, like um, really close up and they, they were fighting and there's like blood and everything like that it was so gory. And I thought that I would wake up around then already because it was not not something that I would really like to be in. Mm-hmm. And, and it just was. And then the one part that I remember right after that was that he managed, or like the men, not he, um, they managed to to um they managed to subdue or at least shoo off those those guys or those men and um and the men were so angry like they were really angry they were like murderously angry but then i understood it as they were protecting the females and the children and and the village and um, then I looked again, and then I saw it was the face of my husband in the dream. And he was really, really angry, like, you know, this blazing, like, anger in his eyes that you could just, like, feel all the way into your heart. Mm. And it it was just really scary just seeing him that angry. And um, he did one thing that I knew immediately that he's not ever coming back anymore. Um, and that was that... When we were children, he would yank my hair and play with it. Like, you know, he would want to get my attention by pulling my hair and it would hurt. And it was just something between us that I understood. Like it was, you know, that him and I have this this connection. And in the dream, at that time, he did that again, that he he wrapped his hand in uh, his hand like fingers into my hair and he yanked it back really hard and he just gave me this look and I knew that like okay I will never see him again and and that then was he his went way off. of saying goodbye yeah it was his way of saying goodbye and that that really like broke my heart because he ran after those people and and that was it it was like you know he's going to go and kill some and 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 then he's either going to get killed by them or something but i knew that it was gone that he was after that he will be gone Hmm. and then um then i cried a lot he growled an order and they ran away like uh, you know his men and he ran away but my father died at that time and then um and then my husband was gone 
and I was crying and I closed my eyes and I was just remembering like the thought in it was like, don't close your eyes, don't close your eyes. But well, the dream self, she closed her eyes, she covered her face and she cried and it was just a blink. She didn't even fall asleep. And uh, when I opened my eyes again, my mother was sick. Um, everybody in the village was having a really weird fever. And um, my mother was so sick. She she was she was the healer. She was she was um, she was somebody who taught me how to do things. She was like this. Um, you know, I loved my father in the dream a lot. And then and then in but my mother, she was the one who taught me how to do things. You know, she taught me how to be a woman. She taught me how to how to heal. She taught me how to take care of the house. She t- taught me how to cook and everything like absolutely everything. And she had a knowledge of medicines, of, of plants and all that. And to have her fallen ill and sick with the same fever that everybody was having, I was panicking. I was like so scared. But no matter how sick she was, she was still trying to help. So she taught me more of her medicines, like quickly and she was like very urgently and I had to do everything as she said and I was making the medicine and I also realized that I was getting sick as well but I was um I was obeying my mother like her one last time and um I was having the fever myself I couldn't let myself rest at all and I was doing my best and I was helping these people I was making medicine and then, and then I remember my mother told me, like, you know, you do this and then you take the medicine yourself and, and everything like that. But while she was telling and she was um, telling me to make the medicine, she told me to live and then she died. <laughs>